Hello, welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the Performance Improvement Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer Teams at Vizient. I'm Marilyn Sherrill, Knowledge Transfer Director. Hospitals all over the country are overwhelmed by an increasing number of patients with behavioral health issues. Many use the emergency department to access care and end up staying in the hospital for a more extended time. These patients jeopardize healthcare workers' safety and impede their own ability to receive necessary care. The University of Kansas Health System developed a behavioral response team to intervene with these patients, and this has shown positive results for the organization and their patients. You can't always know which of your patients are going to be aggressive or surprise you. When I was young and in training, a 90-some-year-old woman, while I was examining her, just catch a few hairs and, and literally pin me to her chest. I was unable to move. It certainly was impeding her care. Dr. Teresa Long is the Associate Professor for Psychiatry and Internal Medicine at the University of Kansas Health System. About 10 years ago, the organization noticed increasing rates of agitation, violence, and the number of assaults on their staff. We decided we needed a more effective way to maintain safety and improve care of patients as well. We put together the behavioral response team with psychiatric liaison nurses, the police when necessary, nursing administrators. It was triggered just like any rapid response team. So the nursing bedside nurse would call the same number as any response team for stroke or rapid response or code, any of those, and then specify this was behavioral response. A behavioral response can be initiated for a variety of reasons, not all based on psychology. A lot of times it begins with a patient who's argumentative and irritable, who may not be willing to go along with procedures that are planned and not follow instructions. Many times these people are quite confused. They may be so sick that they are not functioning well, and they may not really understand what the nurse is asking them to do. Other times they may be withdrawing from a substance and just very, very irritable. So it really often starts with that level of irritability and can escalate from there. A skilled team that could address patients with a diverse set of behavioral health issues needed to be assembled. One with unique skills who are able to move fast and diffuse potentially harmful situations. We initially built it looking at what we thought the needs were going to be. And so the psychiatric liaison nurse, that's because they're very skilled psychiatric nurses and they understand how they can get control of a situation, they can de-escalate, and when different strategies and interventions are needed. Because we saw that violence was a problem, we did pull in our University of Kansas Police Department The nurse administrator was added in to make sure that all resources were available, that we followed up and made sure that things were taken care of and documented and that that bedside nurse was fully supported, particularly in the case if there was an injury. It's people who have specific training in dealing with these situations that are tasked with being on that team. Heidi Baim is the Quality Outcome Coordinator at the University of Kansas Health System. It was her job to train the behavioral response team. Everyone received the de-escalation training. They also received some additional information. We had a four-hour class in which the police provided 
one hour of content regarding how to respond to emergent situations, when to call the police, how to partner with the police. And then we also had a member of our psychiatric liaison team come and do case studies with these responders at the smaller hospital. We had risk management come and talk about the critical issue of decision-making capacity because that is something very important to know as you have patients that are having these escalating behaviors. And then I provided some content about just their general role and responsibilities, as well as how to document their behavior response team activation. After watching the behavioral response team in action for a few years, Dr. Long wanted the team to shift from being reactive to more proactive how we can identify patients, what we can do to develop strategies for each individual patient to avoid the crisis, to avoid the initial episode if possible, if not to respond briskly to the initial episode so that there weren't any follow-up ones. As the behavioral response team concept has evolved, so has the training. We are working with our ZEAL simulation center at the hospital to develop a simulation specific for patients that are having escalating behaviors. Simulation is a very effective method of training. It's a stronger intervention than just giving a flyer or just providing a class. Simulation actually gives staff hands-on practice. And simulation really is a key part of the in-class portion of the nonviolent crisis prevention intervention training because staff are practicing the skills that they learned in the online module which include how to set limits, some of the de-escalation strategies, and then they're also learning the disengagement skills as well. So they're doing that all through practice and role-playing. Documentation for the behavioral response team is another critical element for success. Once someone has a behavior response team activation, there is a behavior response team flow sheet, which is really helpful because that's how I get my information to be able to do the chart review. I look at the data every day at our patients who've had a behavior response team activation. We've been doing surveys to follow up for a number of years. And by and large, the staff feels that the behavioral response team is effective. We do attempt to make follow-up calls and follow-up visits for patients that have had a behavioral response team activation to check on the efficacy of the interventions and see if anything else needs to be changed. With any successful endeavor, there are always challenges along the way. Dr. Long and Heidi offer these insights. The challenges that we had were mostly a recognition of what the team could and could not do. The team was not created to come and scoop a patient out of the environment and take them to some other place. And trying to help people understand that what we were there to do was to mitigate behaviors, to try and support and train staff so that the patient could receive the care that they needed. The other challenge is determining who exactly is going to be needed as part of that team. Over time, we've had some changes. The basic structure is the same. We've now added chaplains into our behavior response team to help deal with families who may be in distress or, or patients as well. Some other challenges we've had with the behavior response team is having the entire team present at 100% of the responses. Our psychiatric liaison nurse team down in the emergency department not only responds to behavior response team activations, they also have two patients in the emergency room at all times, 
And then they are responsible for any psych assessments in the emergency department. One of the things that we're trying to do at this time is improve the staffing and change the workflow for those psychiatric liaison nurses to allow more ability for them to respond to these situations, trying to free them up so that they can be more available. The behavioral response team became so valuable to the hospital that the University of Kansas Health System decided to roll it out system-wide. First, to listen to the bedside nurses, find out what their needs are and what they need help in, and what your team is going to be able to do, finding out what the needs are, and then putting together a team that can help support the nurses in that way. I feel like providing staff and equipping them with the tools to be able to de-escalate crisis situations is so very important. Even if you don't necessarily have the behavioral health specialist, you can equip staff and train them up to be able to have some of those basic skills to keep the staff in their environment safe, as well as to de-escalate those crisis situations. Thanks to Dr. Teresa Long, Heidi Bame, and the University of Kansas Health System for sharing their story, and to you for listening to our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at knowledgetransfer at vizianinc.com. From the PI Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer teams, I'm Marilyn Sherrill. Remember, knowledge is transformational. Share it. Share it.